0: On February 6, 2023, a 7.8 earthquake on the moment magnitude scale struck southern and central Turkey, as well as northern and western Syria. Only nine hours later, an almost as deadly 7.7 earthquake struck centered around 95 kilometers to the north and northeast in the Karak province. These ferocious eruptions have caused widespread structural damage and tens of thousands of deaths in the past weeks. Combined together, these two earthquakes are the deadliest seismic event in the history of modern Turkey, according to the New Zealand Herald, with over 2,000 recorded aftershocks. Amidst all the devastation, we have come here today to assess what happened and what may happen next. From Seton Hall University, this is The Global Current. I am your host, Drew Starbuck. With me today are two fellow Seton Hall students. Covering the domestic situation today, our analyst is Joey Brennan. Hi, Joey. Hi, Drew. Thank you for coming on the show. And focusing on the international aspect today is Aaron M. Hi, Aaron. Hi, Drew. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for coming on the show, Aaron. All right, guys, I want to just get in some basic background information for our listeners out there. And I want to just first ask, how major were the two earthquakes relative historically? I kind of gave a little bit of the beginning of that in our introduction, but if you could elaborate more on that. I'll come to you first, Joey.
1: Yeah, so Drew, like you mentioned, these two earthquakes are the biggest in modern history, or modern Turkey. The first earthquake measured 7.8 on the Richter scale, and about 12 hours later, the second earthquake measured 7.6 on the Richter scale, and the, the second earthquake was felt by millions of people within 621 miles of the center of the earthquake, and Earthquakes measured above a 7 on the Richter scale are considered major. The the earthquake killed 46,000 people and injured over 1500 according to the the Guardian. Today, the Turkish government's response is a topic of debate. The earthquake comes at a crucial time for Turkey, which is facing a general election later this year, and the Turkish government response has been a serious issue of debate.
0: Mm-hmm. Thank you, Joe. I I think you're getting into some points that we hope to get into later of like criticisms of the Turkish government's response and how that will affect domestic politics and the political scene within Turkey. You also mentioned the initial earthquake. I want to turn to you, Aaron, as our international analyst and talk about the damages done near the Turkish and Syrian border and if you have anything to elaborate on that.
2: Yeah, so the earthquake hit kind of in the southern part of Turkey, and it hit 7.8 on the Richter scale, and also hit northern Syria. And as of February 17th, more than 40,000 people in both Syria and Turkey have perished because of this natural disaster. And many buildings fell and have been destroyed, and overall life has not been the same since then.
0: And it is true, Aaron, just to follow up on that, that with the earthquake being mainly centered in northern Syria, especially the northwestern part, that is an area that Syria has been devastated by the Syrian civil war. As That's re- true,
2: because yeah. those areas are controlled mainly by rebel groups. Mm-hmm. Right.
0: I think we'll get into more of that later, Aaron, but thanks for giving a good preview of that. I want to turn first to you, Joey, and analyze the domestic situation in Turkey coming into the earthquake and in the aftermath of it. First of all, you mentioned general elections in Turkey later this year. What is like the general feasibility of that and how could those be impacted?
1: Yeah, so the the general elections later in Turkey this year, obviously after the earthquake, the, the feasibility of them actually happening is a bit shaky considered the stability of the general population and the actual possibility for people to, to help vote. The, the Turkish government is also a bit shaky right now with their struggle to respond to these earthquakes and get to people. Moving on, the the Turkish government has also had a struggle, like I mentioned, responding to these earthquakes. According to Times Magazine, it took over two days for the first government response teams to arrive in parts of Turkey, which which caused serious criticism within the community. And according to Al Jazeera, a lot of times the first response groups are not government issued, but those initial response groups don't have the proper tools and materials to help people evacuate the scene and evacuate the area. Turkish, the Turkish government also released that citizens did try to contact the Turkish Disaster and Emergency Management Organization, but could not do so, which prohibited them from fleeing the scene safely. So there has been the widespread criticism
0: of the Turkish government's response has some merit to it of basically not being able to call the relevant authorities in a timely manner, especially in a time of crisis. And it also comes at a point where Turkey is facing an economic crisis as a whole. Do you want to elaborate any more on that, Joey?
1: Yeah, so Turkey has been facing an economic crisis since 2018. And since 2018, the country's currency, which is the Turkish lira, has lost more than 40% of its value. The The crisis has been fueled by several factors, including a large trade deficit, high levels of foreign debt, political instability, and a decline in tourism due to things like the COVID-19 pandemic. The high levels of foreign debt in particular have been a major challenge for the Turkish economy. And as of 2021, the, Turkey, the Turkish foreign debt stood at more than $400 billion, with a significant portion of that being owed to the private sector. The the crisis has had a significant impact on the Turkish economy. For example, inflation reached a 15-year high of 25% and small businesses in particular have been hit hard by this economic crisis, with causing many of them to struggle to stay open, stay afloat. Similarly, the unemployment rate reached a high of 14.4% in 2020 and the Turkish government has implemented various measures to try and stabilize the economy, although they haven't been very successful. Mm-hmm. I want to
0: turn our attention to the other nation affected by this, Joey, and have you elaborate on their situation as well, asking about the cost of reconstruction and the damage to the Syrian economy as well, and kind of the, if have there been any criticisms of the Syrian government's response similar to Turkey and any information you may have on that?
1: Yeah, kind of similar to Turkey, the Syrian government, it's a lot harder for them to send out response teams due to the rebel control of certain areas where the earthquake hit. So it's not as easy for them to send these emergency teams to the areas that are affected because they don't have the tools or materials or funds for that to happen. Mm-hmm.
0: Yep. I do want to get into some more information on like the earthquake's effects on where it was centered at provincially and what were its effects on things like communication and transportation networks. So I'll ask that question, pose that question to the both of you of any information you have on that.
1: Yeah, so the, the Turkish government in particular, one of the main reasons why they weren't able to send response teams so quickly was because of the damage that was implicated on infrastructure and roads. So they physically were not able to travel to those areas that were in the provinces that were affected because they had to fix the roads prior to being able to drive on them.
0: And I think you also mentioned as well, Joey, that that's not just an effect on like communication and the transportation networks that so the aid can get to those affected by the earthquake. It's just effects on the basic services and the infrastructure of the roads and the transportation highways and things like that. I want to turn our attention away from the domestic situation internationally and turn to you, Aaron, and ask you how nations such as the United States or major international organizations such as the United Nations or the European Union have responded to this.
2: Yeah, so like different organizations and countries have all come together and donated a lot of money and resources to both Turkey and in Syria. Let's say, for example, the United States, according to the U.S. state government and BBC, the United States pledged $85 million to the earthquake relief. And the United States has also deployed more than 150 personnel to Turkey, as well as 12 rescue dogs to help the citizens. And the U.S. government has also sent 170,000 pounds of specialized tools and equipment to help uh, the people that are trapped in these different buildings and infrastructure. And this is important because the United States and Turkey are very important allies because they are both uh, NATO nations. And in Syria, the United States funded humanitarian partners like the White Helmets and the Red Cross to help those in need and they have been providing $15 billion for the disaster relief in Syria. However, they haven't been providing to the Syrian government but are just directly funding the Syrian people. This is because of the United States' tensions between them and the Assad regime.
0: Yep. Similarly with the U.S., I understand that amongst other Western nations, in particular the European Union, has tried to... Uh, generate a massive response of economic aid to the affected population.
2: That's correct. Like the European Union announced a donor conference to help raise money and also send helpers to Turkey and Syria, and the EU has sent more than 1,000 rescuers from 17 different countries to Turkey and Syria, and also 72 rescue dogs to help. And the EU is also going to provide around 6.5 million euros to the relief efforts and 3 million euros will go to Turkey and 3.5 million will go to Syria. And even though, you know, Turkey and the EU had some issues in the past, the EU, the EU and Turkey has, still have a lot of bonds and relationships together.
0: I also want to like ask the question to you, Aaron, as the international analyst, of what has been the response of nations that are closer to the situation as well? Because Jimmy mentioned that the earthquake could be felt within a distance of 600 miles from the center of it. And so, nations surely felt the tremors and things like that. So what has been the response of neighboring nations to Turkey and Syria?
2: Yeah, so like, for example, in Saudi Arabia, there was an online donation campaign to help raise money for the victims. And the campaign was able to raise over $100 million for more than a million donors. And the Saudi Arabian government also sent planes filled with food, medicine, and shelter to those in need. And another country is the UAE. Uh, They have pledged to $100 million to the rescue effort in both Syria and Turkey. And they have also sent their search and rescue teams to Syria and Turkey. And the UAE's foreign minister also visited uh, Damascus recently. And also Qatar, the host nation of the FIFA World Cup, also sent many supplies and and also 10,000 portable cabins and trailers for the different homeless residents that they used to for the workers that were building the World Cup stadiums and all that
0: yeah so there's obviously been some aid amongst other Muslim nations for these nations what about like international organizations such as the United Nations
2: yeah so the the United Nations had an appeal that is worth a total of 1.4 billion dollars. One billion dollars will go to the rescue in Turkey and the other 400 million dollars will go to the rescue in Syria. And the UN has also pledged uh, 25 million grand to earthquake victims in Syria and they also sent 119 rescue trucks to the border of Turkey and Syria to help. Similarly,
0: I wanna ask beyond just the international organizations because we expect the United Nations to provide aid in these types of scenarios and situations what has been the response of like regional powers that have tensions with either turkey or syria such as greece for example with turkey or israel
3: mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> like for example in israel they were also able to send uh, foreign aid to Turkey but actually not in Syria. This is because Israel and Syria, they don't have any bilateral relations and this is caused because of the tensions between Israel and the state of Palestine and the Arab minorities in the area. However, despite all the current tensions between the Muslim countries and the Israeli government, Israel was able to send a lot of aid to Turkey, such as 430 search and rescue disaster relief workers to Turkey and they were able to save uh, 19 people. However, it wasn't all smooth for the Israelis. For example, a, a aid group called the United Hatzalah had to leave Turkey early and this was due to many factors such as anti-Israel sentiment in the area and also being very close to the Syrian border. So that caused a lot of security risk to the Israelis. And with Greece, and Turkey has had a history of very bitter rivalries with each other. And Greece was part of the Ottoman Empire until they declared their independence in the late 20s, 1820s. And they fought on opposite sides during World War One. They also had a lot of disputes over the island of Cyprus. However, in the year 1999, both Turkey and Greece were hit by separate earthquakes in the same year. And so the two countries decided to create a pact to help each other during a natural disaster. And this helped soften the ties between the two nations. So during the earthquake, Greece sent fire squads and medics to Turkey to help out the victims on a C-130 plane. And also the Greek foreign minister also visited Turkey to help deepen ties between the two nations.
0: And I think this is especially important as it comes at a time recently where there's been a lot of tensions between Greece and Turkey over islands in the Eastern Mediterranean and military tensions as well. Although natural disasters such as these have a habit of bringing people together and nations, of course. And I was asking about Israel as well. Or we've already covered that. Oh, Aaron? We, co- we we co- we covered okay. we covered okay. Israel. Yeah, yeah. got mm-hmm. it. I also want to make sure get into. I read something about not just aid from nations that have been enemies in the past, such as Israel and Greece to Turkey, but also nations that are enemies currently, but both are still trying to send aid to those nations.
2: Right, so like for example with Russia and Ukraine, Turkey was a mediator when the w- war first broke out, and despite both nations currently being at war with each other, both were able to send aid to the region. For example, Ukraine was able to send helpers to Turkey and help generate electricity for those who are homeless and didn't have a home or any kind of electricity. Russia also sent around 300 men to both Syria and Turkey to help out with the search. However, despite these both these countries helping out, there was still a lot of tensions between the two groups of helpers. There was a quote that a Ukrainian helper said was that we will work and distance ourselves from Russian rescuers as far as we can. The coordination center has informed us that Russian emergency crews are located in a far place and we won't be able to meet. So even in this time of coming together and working as a team, Russia and Ukraine still had some tensions, especially with the workers.
0: Mm -hmm. Thank you. I want to turn back our attention towards a lot of the underlying factors that have been affected by the earthquake and things. I know you went into a little bit of this earlier, Jimmy, and actually more in depth on the Turkish economic crisis, that in the Syrian civil war. I also want to just ask if you have any more information to elaborate on the ongoing Turkish economic crisis and the... Underlying factors of that that may be affected by the earthquake.
1: Yeah, so like I said before, the economic crisis in Turkey is a result of severe foreign debt and a severe decline in Turkey's main economic sector, which is tourism. And I think that due to this earthquake, that sector will continue to decline because tourists don't want to go to an area that's currently being bombarded with high level earthquakes. And I think that this this crisis and the Turkish foreign debt will, will not get any better because Turkey is using much of their resources on recovering from this earthquake, which takes away resources from their ability to pay back those in the private sector where they owe the most debt.
0: Mm-hmm. And not just that, you mentioned the foreign indebtedness, the lack of Economic growth in their most important sector, with the tourism sector, J- Joey, but also the political situation in Turkey. You mentioned there were supposed to be elections this year, and this earthquake comes at a time of political instability and like a lot of polarization between different parties.
1: Yeah, so the the, the Turkish government is at a at a split right now because of their slow reaction to this earthquake, and the the earthquake did not help with the stability of their government. And their, their lack of ability to properly respond to this crisis doesn't help the, the feasibility of these elections and the possibility of them actually happening.
0: Mm-hmm. And with a lot of people still devastated by the aftermath, the last thing you would be thinking about is political elections, but it is an important part of the country's natural procedure and things like that. And it is obvious that the Turkish people need a stable government that is able to tackle from the many challenges that are facing it right now
1: yeah exactly the the Turkish people need a government that that's able to respond to this crisis in an effective manner but also a government that's able to reestablish their economy where it's not no longer suffering
2: yeah.
0: T- looking towards the other nation affected by this Syria I know you went into depth Joey, about the Syrian civil war. I also want to ask you about how the earthquake has particularly hit the vulnerable provinces of northwestern Syria and accusations that the Assad government has been preventing aid to rebel-held areas. Do you want to elaborate any more on that?
1: Yeah, so the the accusations that the al-Assad regime has prevented aid from getting those rebel areas has some truth to it. A lot of it is speculation. However, It is a possibility that the Al Assad government would prevent that aid from reaching those areas in order to prevent conflict or fighting between government soldiers and rebel groups. Mm -hmm.
0: And the this is not just a new phenomenon. The Syrian civil war has been ongoing for a long period of time since two thousand eleven, and millions of people have been displaced by it already. And with the effects of this earthquakes, it remains to be seen how many more people may be displaced by this. All right, guys, I think we're approaching towards the end, but I want to ask a few more like, final summarizing questions to the both of you. First off, I want to ask, what are the prospects of recovery from this earthquake currently for Turkey and Syria? I'll come to you first on that, Aaron. Um,
2: yeah, I feel like if Turkey's government is able to you know, respond quickly and efficiently to this natural disaster, I feel like they will be able to recover from this, and if the money is well spent, the country will continue to pick up.
0: Mm-hmm. Your response, Joey, to that question?
1: Yeah, I think that the Turkish and Syrian governments need to work harder to bring aid to those people in need who are in the immediate area of where the earthquake hit, because without that aid, they can't they can't do anything, they can't continue their lives, which are devastatingly affected. And I think that they just need to have a more humanitarian approach to the crisis. No.
0: And it's clear, as you kind of elaborated, Joey, that in particular, Turkey and Syria, we're not facing the best of times economically and societally or politically for this earthquake happened. And this earthquake can only worsen the circumstances for a lot of ways. And it's going to take us stronger response from their governments and more international support to ensure that the people who need, desperately need that aid get it. So that kind of leads into the second question I was gonna ask is what can we expect looking towards the future for both of these nations? Because I know a lot of times with these natural disasters, headlines are, they dominate the headlines for a short period of time, but then they usually can disappear from the public's eyes even though the effects are still quite noticeable. Do you have anything to say on that, Aaron?
2: Yeah, so in Turkey, I do expect the government to make some important laws that will help the people of Turkey in this time of crisis. However, there's going to be, as uh, Joey said, there's going to be an election coming up. So maybe the next president of Turkey will do an even better job, better than the current uh, regime. However, in terms of Syria, I'm a little bit uncertain on this because Syria is still in a civil war and many of their infrastructure and their economy is going down. And maybe if different countries can help provide aid to the people of Syria, not just from the earthquake, but also from this current civil war going on.
1: Yeah, similar to what Aaron said, I think that we'll see a larger international response. Uh, providing aid for Turkey and Syria. However, I think that because of this earthquake, the economic and societal situations in both nations will continue to worsen.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: I just want to ask like a final question of just, we've talked about criticisms of both the Turkish government's response to Syrian government's response, even though both were in difficult positions beforehand, before the earthquake, and elaborated on the many problems that they'll face in their long recovery going forward. And I just want to ask both of you of what do you think in your minds can both the Turkish and Syrian governments do in the future to be better prepared for an earthquake of this crisis? Of course, no one expects to be hit by a crisis like this or a natural disaster like this, but what can best be done to prepare? Come to you first, Aaron, for that.
2: Yeah, I would say they would do do, is to do something similar to like what Turkey and Greece did, which is to create an alliance that will help both countries with this kind of natural disaster and to quickly respond to these different crises. So like the best way is to help create an alliance between Syria and Turkey so that they can easily respond to each other and help each other out.
1: Yeah, I think that uh, folks in person on the Turkish government, they can focus more on developing their infrastructure and transportation because that was a mi- really big issue in providing humanitarian aid for their people. And I think the Syrian government can try to find ways to provide humanitarian aid without simply not providing it because of a fear to run into rebel groups. I think they should try and find a solution where it's possible to provide those aid, that aid to people who need it and not run into those groups.
0: And that, are you kind of along the lines of, joy of like a ceasefire in cases of natural disasters between rebel-held groups and the government to a certain extent to ensure assistance is provided?
1: Yeah, some, something along that extent to, to make sure that those people in need get the help they need without sparking more conflict. And because there are probably rebel groups out there that were affected by this, and those people also need aid. Mm
0: -hmm. I think, like you both said, it's gonna take specifically preparation, more work in between the two nations as well. Obviously, more international support is is as helpful as possible in providing, the UN providing aid convoys, the money sent and medical supplies sent by nations such as Saudi Arabia, the United States, even geopolitical foes of the nations such as Greece and Israel. And like you said, Joey, just more Turkey and Syria both doing a better job to prepare their infrastructure to be more secure in case the worst happens and they're able to be best prepared for that sort of crisis. Well, our thoughts are always with the victims and the families right now in Turkey and Syria, but this has been a good discussion on a hard topic. So thank you, Joey, Aaron, so much for joining us today.
2: Thanks for having me, Drew. thanks, Thanks, Drew.
0: Joining me now to round out some of the headlines this week is our newsweaver, Trish Salip. Hey Trish. Hey Drew. So what headlines do you have for us this week?
3: and football player Atsu's body found under Turkey quake rubble. Prime Minister Sunak urges Europe to use weapons stockpiles to help Ukrainian war. U.S. reaction to balloon, absurd and hysterical, says top Chinese diplomat. And Haiti is on the brink of state failure.
0: Some important stories to cover this week then. Let's start with the discovery in Turkey.
3: A 31-year-old footballer, Christian Atsu's body was found dead in southern Turkey. The building he lived in collapsed during the devastating earthquakes that hit Turkey and Syria. Al Jazeera reports that they're still searching for more victims. They also put the current death count at 45,000 people.
0: Our thoughts are with the family of Christian Atsu and the rest of the victims' families in Turkey and Syria as they deal with the aftermath of this tragedy. And you mentioned a statement by Prime Minister Sunak.
3: Yes, so Prime Minister Sunak at the Munich Security Conference calls out European greed. The Guardian reports Kyiv needs more ammunition, air defense, heavy armory, and longer-range weapons. Sunak thinks that Europe should stop hoarding the weapons, stockpiles, and give them an opportunity to become more offensive.
0: A sentiment shared by Ukrainian President Zelensky. And you mentioned the current Chinese-American diplomatic row.
3: Yes. Wang Yi, a Chinese diplomat, comments on U.S. reaction to the shooting down of the balloon as absurd and hysterical. He also believes it to be an abuse of the use of force. At the Munich Security Conference, he sees this reaction as a form of weakness instead of U.S. strength. The Guardian reports that the Foreign Affairs Director said he believes the shooting down was a part of an, a part of an attempt to divert attention from domestic problems of the Biden administration.
0: And it is clear that the accusations and temperatures will continue to flare between the two nations. And your final headline on Haiti?
3: The problems in Haiti continues from an increased violence of criminal gangs to elite corruption and cascading illnesses. The Foreign Policy magazine reports on many humanitarian crises that are currently happening. Currently, 4.7 million Haitians are suffering from acute hunger and a cholera outbreak due to natural disasters. With the current issues that are going on, there's a belief that Haiti is on the brink of state failure.
0: Well, thank you very much for coming on, Tricia. Now, that is all the time we have for today. Be sure to follow The Global Current on Instagram and LinkedIn for updates on upcoming shows. This show would not have been possible without our dedicated crew, executive producer Jasmine DeLeon, associate producers Eric Bunce and Hamza Khan, technical producers Andrew Rukuli and Bobby Kyle, and, of course, your host, Drew Starbuck. The Global Current is brought to you by Seton Hall University. As always, keep it current with us and catch us on the waves every Sunday at 8.30 a.m. on 89.5 FM WSOU. Till next time, thank you.